guys. Thanks for listening. If you find that you're having trouble understanding us or listening to our first three episodes, feel free to skip forward to episode four when we finally figured out the sound. I hope you enjoy. Welcome, kings and queens, to the podcast where we discuss lifestyle, tell stories, and give compelling arguments. A little bit of conspiracy for your daily life, maybe some murder, ghost stories. All of this is alleged and none of this is fact. Something to think about. Keeping life spicy. Yeah, I'm Rachel. I'm Brigida. And I'm Danny. And we're the co-hosts, and welcome to the very first episode of the Co-Host Podcast. I want to give you a little a little quote, okay? Here's a quote of the day. I don't want to talk about the things I want to do. I want to be too busy doing them. Oh, I like that. That's so sweet. You Drops know? mic, but not really because I'm on a podcast. Yeah, don't do that. That'd be yeah, bad news that, bears. That really works for us, too, because we are actually out here doing something. We're starting a podcast. We are doing it. What up? What up to all... Four of our listeners, maybe two. Hey, know. coworkers. Hey, Kenneth. Oh wait, shout out Should to we Ken. Also, include that we all work together. Oh yeah, we do. We all work together at a an, um, a medical company that shall remain nameless because we don't want them to sue us. And we're just sitting around talking for fun. Yeah, we all figured out that we are very into crime and paranormal. And I, there's nothing I love more than talking, so ain't that the truth. So, um, well, for all of you who don't know, which is literally everyone, because this is our first episode, um, we decide who's going to tell their story first using a magic eight ball. So who wants to who wants to go first? Who wants to shake the magic eight ball? Go for it, Brigida. Magic eight ball. Should Rachel start her story first? You can count on it. Go, oh bitch. Oh, my God. Okay. Well, I'd like to thank the Academy, first of all. Um, okay. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> all right. Okay, guys. Um, you know, there's nothing I love more than maritime mysteries. What is maritime? Boats and boats hose. And okay. Not boats and There's hose. nothing I love more than boats and hose, Rachel. okay well you know i love a good maritime mystery um so i decided to cover the ghost ship ss orang madame or madon i'm not sure i think it's madon i mean either way i feel like the story probably pans out the same thank you um so the ss orang madame was sailing through the Strait of Malacca and disappeared in the 1940s. Okay, nobody knows exactly the year because it's a little muddled, but whatever. So the Strait of Malacca is a narrow stretch of water between Malaysia and Indonesia. And so it was sailing along one day, you know, through the Strait of Malacca and just minding its own business. And then there were also two ships, two American ships, the Silver Star and the City of Baltimore, which picked up a Morse code distress signal coming from the Orang Medan. The SOS signal was calling for immediate medical aid from any passing ships. 
Dun, dun, dun. Maybe the thing that was wrong was that their name reminds me of orangutan every time you say it. Well, funny you should say that. Hold Ooh. on, I gotta get my wine. Okay, so... Okay, so, yes, it, the, the word orang should remind you of orangutan. Um, speaking of which is my favorite primate. Um, because orang actually means man. Ooh. It's a man boat? <laughs> <laughs> um, it actually means man from Medan. Medan. That's, that's the name of the boat. So it, man, is, a, it is a man boat. <laughs> it is a man boat. It means man from Medan. So they these two American ships get an SOS, which isn't really uncommon for the time because obviously in the 1940s and even today, not every ship has a doctor aboard. So like if somebody okay. breaks in, you know, a bone or like needs stitches or something. Right. They're going to go SOS. They're like, dudes, we need um, a doctor. Okay, so when the Orang Medan initially sent the SOS, it did not give its location, so the operator on the Silver Star responded asking for the ship's location, um, which they get, which is followed by a series of spontaneous, like, unintelligible Morse code, and then at the end, the phrase, I die. What? Oh my god. Yeah. Is this anywhere near the Bermuda Triangle? Nah, girl. Oh, dang. Okay. Complete other side of the world. Please cut that out. <laughs> Rachel went to college. I didn't. I I mean, it kind of sounded like that to me, too. Honestly. <laughs> it just sounded like some Bermuda Triangle shit. It did. So the Silver Star starts working its way to the Orang Medan's last known location, um, where they find the ship without the engines running, and there's still no reply from the radio um, personnel or the person who is running the Morse code radio, um, or whatever it's called. I don't know. <laughs> words are hard words are hard so they're like okay guys we're still not getting anything back so maybe we should get on the ship to figure out what's going on and when the men from the silver star get, get on, on the manship when they get on the manship what they find is that every single person on the ship is dead every single one of them including the captain's dog so they weren't kidding when they say, I die. They were they, not kidding when they said, I die. They all die. They were all dead. Um, so they went out and found the ship and got on board, and it was just, they just dropped dead. Yeah. Um, there are, like, some accounts where, like, one of the radio transmissions that they got was, like, everyone's dead. The captain, or it said, the captain's dead. Everyone in the room is dead. Maybe the whole crew. So it's a little unclear on some of this these facts. But you said the whole message wasn't, like, clear, right? No, there was a section of unintelligible, like, like somebody was in the throes of dying and just, like, spasming. Okay. And we're making okay. unintelligible clicks on the, on the Morse code thingy. Everyone who was dead um, had a look of shock on their face. Um, there was not any evidence of why they were dead. There was no evidence of a struggle, no blood, nothing. Um, you know just, how they say people can die from fright? Maybe. You don't know. Everyone is dead. And it also appears that all of the crew had been dead for much longer than they thought. The ship, the Silver Star, relatively quickly got to the Orangwadan. And it looked like everyone had been dead for a long time because rigor mortis had fully set in. That's very concerning. I can't imagine walking onto that ship and that's the first thing you see. Right? That sounds terrifying. Right. All these stiff bodies just, like, sitting there. Yeah, it's terrifying. 
Um, so the Silver Star is like, okay, let's uh, take this ashore so we can better investigate it. So they put a tow line on the ship and, you know, they're taking it to shore. And then all of a sudden, the boat just fucking blows up. It just blows up. As they're towing it in. As they're towing it in, the, sh- the, sh- the orang medan blows up and sinks to the bottom of the ocean. Uh, if that's not someone covering its tracks, I don't know what is. Right? Yeah. So men who boarded the ship also claimed that there was a peculiar smell. And would it be would appear to be the bodies of the dead crewmen pointing to the sky? No one can see the wait, look of shock on Brigitte's wait, face right now. That's so creepy. Like their their fingers are like just pointing up. Yeah. Nobody knows how they died. Nobody knows how those people died. And now they're all gone. And they're all gone. The ships the ships sink to the bottom of the ocean. So a historic booklet, um, which has a name that I don't know um, how to pronounce and probably wouldn't be able to pronounce if it was in any language that I was even familiar with, so I'm not even going to try. It claimed that the ship um, may have been carrying cyanide and nitroglycerin, which would explain the mysterious deaths because obviously cyanide is a lethal poison. Um, And I read it somewhere, I don't really remember where, but... um, it said something about the cyanide, like, rusting the containers that they were in, causing, like, uh, a gas that, like, killed everyone. And then, obviously, the nitroglycerin would be responsible for blowing the ship up. So they weren't actually poisoned then. It was just being carried on the ship? Yeah, it was being carried on and the ship. And it, like, leaked? And it leaked, yeah. Okay. Killing so this everyone on board. wasn't on purpose. Okay. Not on purpose, no. But um, supposedly, we don't know. Right. I mean, would that account for them, like, pointing to the sky and looking shocked? I don't know. We don't know. That's one, you know, theory. It's also very strange that the shipwreck was never found. Under the ocean? Yes, under the ocean. It has never been found. Huh. That does sound like some Bermuda Triangle shit. That really does. Um, so some documents linked to the CIA. Have made people believe that this incident may be connected to the disappearances of different flights within the Strait of Malacca, including Malaysian Airlines flight MH370, which vanished in 2014. That just blew my mind. I did not know that there was a connection or anything like that. So, you know, ultimately, no one really knows what happened to the SS Orang Medan. There is also, like, the big point that many people believe that it was actually a hoax created by reporters in order to sell papers. But even stranger, there are a large group of UFOologists who believe that the ship crew, the ship's crew was killed by aliens. Even the dog? They killed even the dog. So oh, yeah. I mean, they maybe killed- they had no good purpose for him. Yeah. Every living creature, maybe they were just tr- testing something out. And they were like, oh, no, that one doesn't work. Kill everybody. Okay, so can we go back to this Bermuda Triangle thing? Because so right. there are no answers about that. Yeah, and there are no answers. Flights and stuff have gone yes. in like Malaysia. Yeah. 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 I, I honestly would not surprise me if it was like some CIA yeah, shit. The CIA, I mean, you know, the federal government, they, uh, they're hiding a lot, you know. Hiding well, we've become lot. more, less and less trusting of them as a whole. Maybe, because some conspiracies have come about to be completely true. They've confirmed. They just confirmed aliens. 
They didn't necessarily confirm aliens. They cons- confirmed UFOs, which are unidentified flying objects. Well, though. I'm jumping very well to conclusions very well. Yeah. Uh, I mean, hey, there was... Watergate was a thing. Um, MK Ultra was a thing. Like, those were all conspiracies, and they all came what out about to be true. Operation Midnight Climax. It's exactly what it sounds like. <laughs> what the fuck Hold are you up. talking about? I don't know you about this. You guys never heard of this? Where no. They take those, like, go- those guys, those, like, soldiers, and, like, bring them in to, like, essentially what is, like, an undercover whorehouse, and they give them psychedelic drugs, and they think they're about to get laid, but they're not. They actually just test on them and stuff under these psychedelics. What? Oh, my God. So it's, like, MK Ultra, but with the army. Yeah, it's an actual thing called Midnight Climax. That's the name of it. Yeah. I've never heard of either of those. I don't You've never heard of MK Ultra? No, that's wild. Okay, so MK Ultra is the fact that the um, CIA, or I think it was the CIA, they um, were basically secretly dosing people, like civilians, with acid and hallucinogens, and like people were killing themselves. And there's a lot of speculation that like they were doing it to children and like <sighs> serial killers. We don't like we don't know. Dang, that is intense. Because it was, like, the Information of Freedoms Act, like, um, brought yeah. all that information into light. So, it was wild. All right. Okay. Let's, um, let's stop here. I don't want to get us under investigation. So, Lillian, on, on, a scale, on a scale from one to meow, how good was my story? <laughs> well... <laughs> there you have it. I there think you, that sums it up. There you have it, folks. I think that's all the approval that we need. So, Magic 8 Ball, who will be going next? Will it be Danny? The stars say no, Danny. I'm sorry. Brigida, it's uh, on to you for your story this week. So, uh, I noticed you guys like stories about people who disappear. They're interesting and intriguing. So, we all know that people disappear and vanish all the time. No one ever seems to really talk about it like it's a big deal. I mean, it's always shocking, but it always just, quote-unquote, happens. It bothers me so much, and one of the biggest unspoken places for people to go missing is in the National Park System, where there are 84 million acres of woods, deserts, and mountains. Oh my god. I know your jaw's on the floor. You did not know that, right? Bro, you gave me that fun fact last week, and I did not suspect this. Girl, I've been thinking about this for five years. (laughs) All right. Tell me more. Okay, let's go. You all know me. I'm super outdoorsy. I'm literally from out west. I'm always in a national or a state park every chance I can get. And now more than ever, I'm so paranoid about ending up missing while I'm adventuring and enjoying myself. Me too. The wild and wilderness can be so dangerous. There's animal attacks, getting lost, um, running out of water, having an accident, possibly alien abductions, and worst of all, other people, because there are some real psychos out there. We've all heard the stories. So I would say I mostly fear just other people being out there who I don't trust and who think they can get away with stuff. I mean, it can be really paralyzing if you think about it for too long. It can hold you back from even adventuring outside of your front door. So I'd like to delve a little deeper in regards to this, and there are some really perplexing stories I found. Ooh! First of all, fun fact, the federal government does not track the number of missing persons in national parks. But they don't. They actually don't. That just, Why not? That's not a thing. Yeah, that blows Why? my mind. 
experts actually believe that there are about 1,600 individuals mysteriously vanishing each year while visiting the parks. While many reported missing are actually found, it is estimated that hundreds remain missing. I thought about this and realized it could be because the national parks are severely underfunded. They don't seem to have their own help, like enough search and rescue, and they depend pretty heavily on the, their own county police forces, which aren't equipped for this. There just doesn't seem like there's a lot of emergency help out there. It's like they just drop the cases after a couple of weeks. They go cold. It's assumed that they'll never be found. Or if they are found, their remains are more or less stumbled accidentally upon. And it's just weird pieces of clothing or under extremely strange uh, circumstances. So basically what you're saying is it's park rangers out there. And once the park rangers give up, it's just Yogi Bear. Exactly, or hey, Bigfoot. Hey, boo-boo. I think there's a body over there. <laughs> it's just Yogi Bear, and he's not getting anywhere fast. I mean, no. There's not, I mean, he's he gets look, distracted. He's looking for those picnic baskets. Right. These cases just more or less sort of vanish into thin air along with the people in them. Like, That's so sad, weeks. though. They're just like, mm, can't find him. Yeah, can't find you. We don't have the resources, and we don't care. And right, that's yeah, horrifying. I don't want to say we don't care. Don't come at me. Don't sue me. There are no, people that care. Obviously, they but, care, well, but yeah, like they just but... don't have the resources, and there's just so much land for them to cover. Like, there's no way for them to physically be able to do that. Right. There right. are sixteen thousand a year. Is that what you said? Yep, sixteen thousand people a year. So I'm not sure if it's because of a underfunding and inadequacy or if there's something else going on out there, like there's a literal murder hiding in the woods or human trafficking, abductions, aliens, or dangerous elements. It really could be anything. I'm not sure if the number of missing people pulled is actually a pretty large across the board. So when you pull from the data we have specifically from a national park, it seems like it's concentrated or something. Um, it just takes some further looking into to find out what kind of numbers you're actually looking at. So I checked the reports of general missing people files, and the number seems to be actually going down within the last few years. But get this, it's still at 600,000 people. Oh my god. Yep, it's been reported that at any given time, there are 90,000 missing people in the country. And according to the FBI, 460,000 people are reported missing every year. That's Holy insane. heck. Holy heck. That shook me. I did not so, know this. Is there any, like, speculation on why the number's gone down, though? I don't know. Maybe because it's easier to track people now. It's easier okay. to find people. Okay. That makes this sense. serial killer died. That's true. A lot of psychos can't be caught anymore because of, okay. um, you know, our technology, advanced technology. They things. can be caught, you mean? They can be caught, yeah. Yeah. They can't get away with this. DNA has done some crazy shit lately exactly so it's maybe harder to get away with abducting people but you know there are always people that will cover it up there's always right you never really know but it's just fascinating i think you also have to account for the number of people who have gone missing um but maybe they're not dead but maybe like human trafficking like that's a right thing right so just to bring it down even farther sorry i'm sorry to really depress you guys today i wish i had a more uplifting tale but no aliens in a ship, is it? It could be aliens in a ship stealing people. We don't know. Actually, some people have claimed to have been abducted by aliens in state parks. I wish I was abducted by aliens. 
Please come and get me from 2020. Please save me. That would be a fun story. It'd be like, oh my god, I don't remember 2020. I was abducted by aliens. So, regardless of what it actually seems like, there are a cluster of people across genders and ages that seem to have gone missing around cluster areas in national parks. So, I found so many freaking stories on this, and this all takes place on federal land, and it's just not taken seriously or even talked about. It just seems like they all want to put a lid on the publicity surrounding this, which is kind of crazy. Most of the stories take place at really big areas around Yosemite, Crater Lake, Grand Canyon, all of these really amazing places that are usually once-in-a-lifetime trips. So um, let's start here. One, The first one I'd like to talk about is Stacy Aris. So Stacy Ann Aris actually disappeared from Yosemite Nas- National Park in 1981, more than 30 years ago. The superintendent at the time was quoted as having said she, quote, just seems to have disappeared, unquote. Superintendent of what? The um, superintendent of the fucking park. <laughs> okay. Okay. That's all, right. all I know. I'm learning I, all kinds of things. I left his name out of this because I didn't want to remember it, but apologies to this man as not having known his name. Okay, so <laughs> in July, her, her father, and six other people rode into camp on horseback, and they... The camp they stopped at was the final stop in Yosemite's Mountain Chalet Loop. So Stacy was 14 at the time, and she told her dad she was going to photograph the nearby lake, which was just over the bluff. So her dad didn't even go with her, but their 77-year-old friend did. And on the way over the bluff, he got tired, he sat down, but she kept going. The tour guide at the camp remembered seeing her just 50 yards south of the trail, and that was the last time anyone saw her. The only thing left behind was her camera lens, and there was li- were literally no answers. So they went to go look for her at the spot, just over the bluff, just her camera lens, nothing else. She was nowhere. That's insane. So was her camera lens by the lake or whatever that she went to photograph? It was on the bluff. Right? Right. Her camera lens was on the bluff that she was photographing from yeah oh, okay she so, was on the block okay yeah. she just walked over to it it never came back okay that's insane yeah and the fact that she was last seen like just 50 yards south of the trail they were on that was it and then she was just gone there's nothing around no signs of anything that's so scary when you're out there in the wilderness there's so many things that could happen you can get disoriented so quickly yeah you went on the appalachian trail didn't you yes so, That's so scary. When everything looks the same, like when there's nothing to, no frame of reference, it's pretty terrifying out there. There are stories, actually, of people being, like, just yards away from, like, full-on roads and not making it out because they were, they just kept walking in circles or something. That's so scary. Isn't That's it? That's terrifying. Also makes me not want to go to the pretty parks. Always walk with your compass. Always have a compass. Always know how to read a compass. You don't know how to read a compass? Nope. Girl, the needle always points north. But what is, like, do you always follow north? No. No, but you but can just you, see what direction you are. Yeah, if you know where north is, then you yeah. know where south, east, and west are. Long story short, follow your compass, follow your heart. The end. Oh, always coming through, but get with the wise words. And wisecracks. 
Okay. No, that's just you. <laughs> so in next story, in 1928, Bessie and Glenn Hyde were honeymooning in the Grand Canyon, which is my literal favorite place in the world. Aww. They were planning on boating through the Colorado River. Their boat was discovered that winter completely intact with all their supplies on it, so they didn't even use anything. Some people claim to see Bessie years later somewhere else, but as far as we and everyone else knows, they just completely vanished. So they went down there on their trip to the Grand Canyon, and the boat was just left there in the water that winter. That's insane. Right? Everything was there, too. They didn't take anything with them. So it's just really, like, makes you wonder what's up with all these just people. It does sound like aliens. Yeah, I know. I'm yeah, kind of does. reading some of these, but... They were abducted. I mean, the Grand Canyon, geez, I mean, it's one of the, it's just one of the most vast places. It's so pretty. I've never been there. You need to go. It's like genie. Okay, so Alfred Bailhearts was camping with his family in Rocky Mountain National Park in Colorado in 1938. He went down the river with, he went down to the river with his dad and some friends where he and his dad went upstream about 500 feet. So everyone got out of the river, started walking back, and it wasn't until they got back to camp when they noticed that he never actually came back with them. They immediately started searching and called in more than 100 civilian conservation corps members within just 45 minutes. They didn't find him anywhere. So a day after he disappeared, two people were hiking six miles away from their campsite and said they saw a kid that looked exactly like him sitting in the place called the Devil's Nest. But when they called authorities, and authorities finally got there to investigate, he was gone. They, That's insane. I know. Isn't it nuts? Makes Wait, you wonder. Do we know what the Devil's Nest is? Because that sounds uh, intriguing. Um, It is just a place in Rocky Mountain National Park. That's what it's called, the Devil's Nest. It's just a specific hiking place. There's nothing, like, essentially, like, you know, eerie about it. Okay. Just- Right, but they searched for over 10 days and used more than 150 men to complete. Uh, they used over 150 men, complete with scent hounds, but by the eighth day, they pretty much stopped looking. So by the eighth day, their team had actually dwindled down to just 10 people looking, or 12 people looking. But um, yeah, they used scent hounds and everything and could not find the boy. That's really sad. I can't imagine that can't imagine being out there and then turning around and just not not having you know my son there right and not even having anything to go on right he's just gone oh my gosh it makes me so terrified especially because like I can kind of relate to this not in a way where like I'm a parent but in a way where I'm an aunt and my two-year-old nephew just learned hide and seek and how to hide behind things oh gosh so you'll go out to the backyard and call for him like you'll turn your back for a second turn around call for him he won't be there and he thinks it's funny that he's, like, hiding behind a trash can. Oh, That's he doesn't realize it's terrifying. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, your heart just drops for, like, a split second. Oh, Yeah, that sounds awful. That feeling is terrible. Oh, so he thinks it's funny and you're angry. Right, like, I does. couldn't find you. He's building himself, like, some jokes and stuff. Like, some serious pranks. <laughs> All right, so let's talk about Catherine Van Alst. In 1946, she was camping with her family in Arkansas National Forest. She was only eight years old at the time and wandered off and got lost when she was playing. But six years, six days later, they found her. And you'll never guess how, though. So they were searching the 
they were searching the Arkansas National Forest, and she calmly walked out of a cave and said, here I am. What the fuck? it. Eight years old, walks out of the cage. I looked online and saw a picture of this little girl. It's like a black and white photo of her. She's like so tiny and little and just such a serious face. She just walked out of the, it was right after she was like, um. And how long was she missing? She was missing for six days. What the fuck? And she just comes out like, here I am? That's it. What did she eat? (laughs) I read the 1946 news article. She, they said she was really serene and really calm, not hysterical at all. She was fine. She must have found one of Yogi Bear's picnic baskets. Yeah, maybe Yogi Bear was looking out for her. I'm not sure. But her father had actually been out looking for days, and the sheriff sent him home to get some rest. He was starting to lose it a little bit. So when they finally discovered her, um, he actually realized that she was found by reading the morning paper. Because the sheriff couldn't get a hold of him the night before. So he woke up the next morning and read on the front page of the paper that his daughter was found. Why would the sheriff not take her to his house? That's my question. I think it was further away. So it was one of those things where they just wanted to get her safe and get her checked. And she was checked by a nurse. Oh, okay. So she was. I just, I just feel like the first thing we do would be like, we need to tell your parents. When was this? 1946. Like. Don't you need consent to treat a child? I'm not really sure. Under emergency circumstances, I don't know. I don't really know. Yeah, I feel like if it's a case where they're missing and you want to make sure, like, they weren't injured at any point during that, it should be... I mean, I guess, but... It's really... If I I were their parent, I would be so fucking pissed to find out from a newspaper instead of the police. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm sure he was. It's just interesting reading the news article from the time uh, because they speak so differently. They handle things so differently than how we do now. It seems so much uh, so relaxed and so kind of, I don't want to say nonchalant because it was definitely taken seriously, but it was just, it's just a completely different format. So they questioned Catherine about how she spent um, her time. And she said she spent the first night, quote, unquote, just laying in the grass. That's it. The so fuck? she's just like, yeah, in the grass. I just chilled in the grass for a while. It was yep. cool. That sounds like Brigida as a child. I was just laying in the grass. <laughs> um, she spent the rest of the nights sleeping in caves and eating berries. And when the nurse examined her, she said, and she's quoted as saying this in the paper, she was getting along swell. So she had no damage and nothing was wrong with her from this. <laughs> You okay. think you think any of those berries fermented? <laughs> I don't know. Did they? Did she like grow up to live a happy life or anything? Unfortunately, I did not follow up. So, oh, okay. I, I, mean, I, I can't say. Unfortunately, she, she died. <laughs> no. That's what I thought like, you were going to say. Too. <laughs> I bet she finished living a normal life after that experience. She lived a long and happy life. But I'm sure she was definitely shaken up from that. Maybe that's why her picture comes off not so good. Maybe. Maybe, I don't but know. she said she was getting along swell. There, you know what's weird is there have been other stories of children uh, disappearing in the woods and then coming back completely fine or like something strange changed with them and it's been suspected that they were abducted and then like found. Or, like like abducted found. by aliens or like people? Both actually or either. Ooh. So I've got a theory. Okay, I'm ready. There's a show I watch, and they go to, like, 
different alternate universes, kind of. Ooh. But time runs different there. Ooh. So maybe these kids are abducted. When they're abducted, wherever the aliens are, time is, like, way shorter. So this girl was gone for six days, you know, here. But, but to her, it was, like, one day. Exactly. So maybe that's why she was like, oh, I was fine, guys. So something that was interesting in the area of the Green Mountain National Forest is that from 1945 to 1950, there was a string of missing people along the same trail. So one of them was Paula Weldon when she was 18 years old. She was a college student in the area who was going on a short walk up the trail, and she wasn't even dressed for a long hike. So she knew she was taking a really short hike. She would be back shortly. The temperatures were going to dip below freezing that night, so she wasn't going to stay over. Um, She didn't have gear for that, nothing really with her. People saw her hitchhiking to the trail, so she went to the trailhead. She was going to walk up and come right back, but she never came back. Okay, so even her own um, classmates and students from the local area that were there helped with the search, but she was never found. There is a rumor that that specific trail is home to a creature called the Bennington Monster, and the area is called the Bennington Triangle because of the series of unexplained missing people's reports specifically from that area and that time range. Oh my so, god, another right. triangle. I've never heard of this one either. It's so interesting. So it's not the Bermuda Child. Girl, you you should cover that sometime. Right. I wanna know I wanna know more. Right. It would be really fascinating to go into the Bennington Triangle. I think I might. But all the reports had the same things in common. The missing tended to be alone when they disappeared or were separated from their group by at least fifty yards. There was bad weather at the time and a very chaotic, disorganized search. So all of these cases, none of the searches were organized or planned or anything like that. Nothing really was went how it's supposed to go. So it's just an absolute mess, really bad weather. So, I mean, there could be someone snatching out there. I'm not sure, but... Body snatches. Right. So let's jump over to Olympic National Park in 1997. Where, where is Olympic National Park? Washington State. Um, it's rainy up there and beautiful all the time, oh and it's just God. a tropical jungle. Kind Sounds of. wonderful. Wait. It is. It's rainy and beautiful in my mind do not go together. They do but in like, my mind. It's also like really dangerous out there, and because of the rocky shore and, and the bears, yeah, and the cryptids. So there's a lot up there, but it's really beautiful. It's tremendous. They've never seen anything like it. So at least four hikers have mysteriously disappeared from the area in just the past 25 years, one of whom was a 73-year-old man named John Devine. Okay, why was a 73-year-old man out hiking? Well, let me tell you, Rachel. In 1997, he planned to hike into the park from Mount Baldy. Sorry. <laughs> Mount Baldy. Like the Bald seventy Bald. the seventy-four year old man planted sorry. <laughs> he planned to hike in from Mount Baldy. <laughs> the trail itself was twenty-four miles, and John was older, but he also was an experienced long distance hiker. He'd been doing this for a while and he was camping out with his friend Greg. They split up, and Greg went hunting for the day, while John went on a day hike, but he never returned from that hike. Search party scoured the area for a week until a helicopter crashed and killed- This is where it gets wild. Oh my god. A helicopter 
in the search party crashed and killed three people and injured five others. But this, so that's just friggin' a mess. So weather conditions in the area were worsened so much that finding him was really impossible and conditions were so dangerous they actually called the whole thing off the helicopter crash was one of the most mysterious things surrounding this because the pilot used a hand signal to show that he was going to wait five minutes for the conditions to be better to fly but literally a moment later he flew up without warning and crashed right into the side of the mountain what the fuck and died wait what the fuck yep Insane. So, so I don't know why he would have done that. That's wild. That doesn't make any sense. No, it doesn't. It doesn't make any sense. Why would he just fly up after saying he was going to wait five minutes? Like, and you know, people who fly are really stringent with their, you know, codes and their rules and their times and stuff like that. Like, right. Helicopters are included. Not only, you know. Yeah, they're planes, super careful. That's insane. Right. So, if you think that it's too dangerous to fly, you're going to wait five minutes. You wait five minutes, and then you go. Right. You don't just up and decide to fly up and crash into the side of the mountain. I can't imagine being there, like, being a volunteer or a surgeon. And seeing that. Yeah. Witnessing that. And you're in the middle of already a crisis trying to find someone out there. Oh, my God. Who went missing. And then your helicopter crashes and kills three people and injures five others. And now you've got two mysteries on your hand because this guy's missing. And then also, why did they do that? Scary. I'm uh, just freaking wild. Okay. So I promise I'm almost done. Okay. I only have two more little no. things to say. Okay. You're doing great. Okay. So I need the reassurance to keep going. All right, so We're here for you. We're here for you. So at 8 a.m. on a day in July in 2004... David Gonzalez asked his mother if he could have the car keys. There was a box of cookies in the car, and he wanted to go get the cookies from the car. So the car was only 50 yards away, and his mother watched him as he walked to the parking lot near their Big Bear Lake campsite in Northern California's San Bernardino National Forest. So she turned her back for literally a second, and when she turned around, he was gone. What? Yep. How old was he? Nine years old at oh the time. Oh my god. Nine yeah. years old. And that's like old enough where you like trust your kid to just get the cookies out of the car. You right, know? right. And I feel like this is a bit, it's literally 50, meter, 50 yards away. This is a big place. It's Big Bear Lake Campsite in Northern California. So this is, this is a big area. It's populated, things like that. She turned around for a second turned back and he was just gone that's crazy she said she heard no sound at all when her back was turned though she did see a beige truck speeding out of the campground around the time that her son went missing so she noticed that a a tan truck had left the campground but as of that was the only thing she saw she saw nothing else and since there were no signs of actual abduction the authorities did not pursue that as being a possible lead. But, like, what, what signs of abduction would there right. be? Like, you just picked the kid up and put him in your truck. And then drove up. And yeah. just to have the audacity to do that right in front of someone? Are you the kidding audacity. me? audacity. Yeah. Are right. you kidding me? I mean, I'm not saying that you have to be sneaky about any of this. Don't do it at all, obviously. Right, but that's a but, super bold thing to do. Right. You're like, haha, I'm going to snatch this kid real quick. Right. 
and then oh my god i hate that right so they checked the car and the cookies were still in the locked van so he never even made it to the car the rescue team scoured the woods they found no signs of struggle no signs of the boy the search itself went on for nine days but they never found him alive so get this about a year later hikers stumbled upon a boy's remains about a mile from the family's campsite. Authorities chalked the body up to a mountain lion attack, but how could a mountain lion have silently dragged a nine-year-old boy a literal mile without leaving any blood or signs of struggle? And if it was just a skeleton, like, it was just a skeleton, you said, right? Right. Yeah, it doesn't really make sense. Right. And, yeah, like you said... An animal's not going to take him off and just not Without have blood. Without screaming. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah. For a mile. You would a hear mile. that. And you would, she turned around after. Also. So well, she would have seen. There were no signs of a struggle there. You would have seen him dragged. You would have seen something to show that there was a struggle or some kind of dragging or something. Yeah. I mean, Berkey, how, you're a runner. How long does it take you to run a mile? Oh my gosh. I mean, like 10 minutes to like, run. Like. Ten minutes if I What is it? What's the what's the like benchmark number? Isn't it like six a six minute mile or whatever that they like talk about in high school? Like if you can run a six minute mile, you're really fast. Yeah, like anywhere from like a five to seven is like really fast. So like it was at least like ten to fifteen minutes with a struggling child to travel a mile with a mountain lion. There's no way that a mother who had just realized her child was missing would not have hurt something would not have noticed that a mountain lion had dragged her child away right yeah you would have seen it you would have heard it you would have seen it you would have noticed she would have turned around and seen something running away from there him. would have been some kind of sign some kind of emo- like yeah emotion. there would have been something there would have been something to recognize so that that is just wild um just to have no it makes me so angry Right? And that goes back to the fear of, like, turning around for a second and not having your kid there and your heart just kind of yeah. drops. Yeah. Oh, my God. That's that just terrifying. Woman. So, here I'm going to end with one of the last ones and one of the, um, well, they're all pretty wild, so I'm not going to say wildest one, but the last one, okay. I don't think I'm going to say his name right. Um, this doesn't take place in America. It actually takes place in Australia. Oh, cool. Okay. But it was fascinating. So I added it. Okay. okay. So in 2013, Pradeep Shran was a 25-year-old Canadian Army reservist. He disappeared in Australia's Australia's Kosciuszko National Park in the southeastern state of New South Wales. I don't know where that is. Rachel, you went to college? New no. South Wales? Okay. Is that what you said? Yes. Um, I'm pretty sure it's one of the territories or, like, you know, yeah. provinces in Australia. I don't know what they're called in Australia, but the closest relation I have to Australia is I once worked for an Australian, but, like, that's it. So, Saran was studying abroad that year, and he decided to take a 1,700-mile road trip from the Gold Coast to Melbourne. He rented a van, drove to the park's Charlotte Pass in the snowy mountains, and no one has ever seen him since then. He literally just vanished. Right. They started a search for him when the rental company that he rented the van from wasn't returned. 
He didn't tell anyone what route he was taking or any side hikes he was planning. And the search may have started days or even a week after he actually went missing since it was the rental company that reported the disappearance because the van never came back. So the searchers figured out his hiking plans when they looked through the search history on his laptop when they recovered his van. His family hired private searchers after Australian authorities called off their search after only two weeks. Like, if you can't find someone for two weeks and you have no leads, like, you have no other real, tr- nothing They're just to go gone. On. Yeah. They're just gone. It's just, it's just, like, it vanishes. Like, you're missing key details that you need to keep, yeah. keep it going. I understand that part of it. Yeah, they used tower data from his phone and a trained dog to track the trail to a treacherous area called Western Fall Wilderness. So this is where he may have gone off, and this is where the dog tracked, quote unquote, you know, tracked his trail to. Just okay, hold on. Can we just take a moment to appreciate how smoothly you just said a trained dog tracked the trail to treacherous? Like that was that was a lot, and I was like, oh my god. I, that was impressive. I I just have a mouthful of marbles right now. I feel like I'm like tripping you did over all my words. So good. That. You did so good on that because like I was like, oh my god, that was so many T's. <laughs> T's and R's and like train, trail, track, tra- like oh my god. Okay, I'm sorry. I was just really impressed. Go ahead. I have lots of talking from all the talking. You know, talking, talking. <laughs> yeah, lots of practice from all the over talking I do. Yeah, same girl, same. So, what they basically figured out is that one day before his van was due back to the rental agency, he embarked on a really difficult and time-consuming hike in snowy weather, which doesn't make any sense. Even though he was trained in uh, military skills, it really doesn't make sense that he would even take a risk like that. Well, I can do it. I'm fine. I'm a man. I mean, maybe that's the case, but yeah. that shit gets you killed sometimes. It does. And that's why that's, that's why it's called toxic masculinity. Yeah, I mean, that stuff can really put you in danger if you over, you're overconfident in your skills. So they conducted, like I said, the family conducted a private search. It went on for over a year, but nothing has ever been recovered from that. Oh a year. God. Can you imagine searching for a year? And not finding anything in the area no. where you know someone was. That's insane. Aliens. That sounds like insanity. It's aliens. My no, answer. It could be aliens. My answer is always aliens. Alright, so. Do you have something to tell us? I got a good story for us. Yeah, we're gonna move on to a disappearance. A disappearance? Yeah. Okay, so I'm going to tell you the story. Of the disappearance of Brian Schaefer. So, Brian Schaefer was born February 25th, 1979. That was a good year. Was it? Do you I know was, a lot I about it? You were alive. alive. That's why it was a good year, Rachel. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, you oh, you burned yourself. <laughs> it's oh the year God. for and everything burning me. I'm fine. All right. So, he lived um, and grew up with his parents, Randy and Renee, and his younger brother, Derek. Uh, he was a second-year medical student at The Ohio State University. But I also want to show you guys a picture of him because he is a very all-American boy. Yeah, his, he has a really all-American name. Yeah. I think I feel like I would be his friend. He, um, and actually, one podcast that I listened to, they literally described him as just, like, average-looking. They were like, 
this is what a lot of guys look like in Ohio. Yeah, and that's so crazy. I immediately was like, yeah, I could dies. see, like, in my head, oh, yeah, absolutely. In my head, yeah. I could see him, like, driving, like, some basic-ass truck, like, right. you know, dating some girl in high school. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. All right, so, um, yeah, at the time of his disappearance, he had just recently lost his mother. Um, she passed away from a rare form of bone cancer. That's sad. And they were really close, so this was hard on him. Um, his friend said he appeared to be healing well. Really? But I feel like that was just kind of the person he was. He put on, like, a, a strong front and wanted to be there for everybody else. Yeah, absolutely. And sometimes people feel like that's the best way for them to get through a situation. Right. And um, But they knew that it was really hard on him. It was March 31st, 2006. Just... Uh, Throwing this out there. That was also my 14th birthday. So, March 31st, 2006. This was the last day of midterms and the start of spring break for the students at OSU. And Brian and his dad, Randy, had had dinner that night as a way for his dad to kind of check up on him and also celebrate the beginning of spring break. Uh, Brian met up with his friend and old roommate, Clint, after dinner with his dad. At the Ugly Tuna Saluda. Ooh. Oh my god, that's hilarious. That yeah, sounds yeah. like a bar that I would frequent. <laughs> I think it just sounds so fun. And, like, I I went to Ohio State at one point. Yeah. So I saw it, and it just looked like such a fun oh, place. Oh, that does sound like fun. What was um, it? The Looney Tuna? What? The Ugly Tuna uh, Saluna. Oh my god. The Ugly <laughs> Tuna Saluna in Ohio. Oh my god. So yeah, Brian met up with Clint Florence, his old roommate and friend at Ugly Tuna Saluna, um, at 9 p.m. that night. And then around 10 p.m., Brian called his girlfriend, Alexis Wagoner. Um, she was also a med student, and that's how they met through med school. Oh, my God. They're both, like, super up there. Oh, my God. Yeah, they're both really smart. Yeah, they both went to college, Rachel. You can relate. <laughs> yeah, tell us about it. How was it? It was terrifying. It made my hair fall out. <laughs> But anyways, right. but anyways, let's get That's back to the story. Pro. <laughs> uh, he called her to tell her goodnight and that he loved her. She had gone home to Toledo for a few days to visit so her family. Sweet. I know, right? So sweet. Okay, so his girlfriend, Alexis, had gone home to Toledo for a few days to visit her family. They were going to Miami on Monday. This... At one point, it was reported that it was a Christmas um, gift from his mom, the trip was. So it was really special to him. Yeah. He was really excited about it. Many people also believed that he was going to propose on this trip. Um, Mm. Miami, Florida? Yeah. Oh, no. And he said it was missing, so he's going to go missing. Can you imagine being Alexis? Oh my god. It gets, yeah, it gets oh real no. sad. Okay, I want to okay, hear more. Continue. We get into this. Go ahead. Uh, Brian and Clint left the Ugly Tuna and went bar hopping, working their way down High Street. And according to Clint, they each had one shot at each of the bars they went to. Uh, they went, I don't know, like the distance and like miles or anything. But they went a pretty long way, so there had to have been quite a few bars that they went to. Yeah, which means quite a few shots. Right. Uh, after midnight, they met up with one of Clint's friends, Meredith Reed, and they all rode back to the Ugly Tuna together for a last round. CCT- 
CCTV cameras show them riding up the escalator to the bar at 1.15 a.m. Some reports say that once inside the bar, Brian told Clint and Meredith that he was going to talk to the band. Um, then at 1.15 or 1.55 a.m., CCTV captured Brian again outside the front entrance of the bar talking to two women. Then he moves off camera in the direction of the bar entrance, which makes it seem as if he was going back into the bar. The uh, bar closed at 2 a.m., and the friends looked for Brian inside the bar before leaving, but couldn't find him. So then they went outside the bar to wait for him to see if maybe he came out with everybody else. Yeah. And they somehow missed him inside, but he never came out. They waited for him for a little bit. Clint had also sent him a text um, to see where he was. He never got a response. They left and went home, assuming that Brian had walked home himself, and they just missed him at some point. He only lived six blocks from the bar. So not a great idea, but they were like, yeah, maybe he just walked home. Um, Over the next few days, though, Alexis, his girlfriend, and Randy, his dad, tried to contact Brian with no success. They also went to his apartment to see if he was there or if anything looked wrong. But his car was still parked in its parking spot, and nothing seemed out of place in his apartment. They checked his apartment. Nothing was off in his apartment. Alexis decided to go to the airport on Monday anyway just to see if maybe he shows up. So she hadn't, like, heard from him or anything? She She hadn't heard from him. Um... But she was like, you know what? Maybe I'll get there. He'll be there. He'll explain what happened. Everything like, will be like fine. He lost his phone. Like, yeah. That's, yeah. Right. She just had, like, she had all this hope. And it, in one interview I saw of her, like, she thought he was the one. Yeah. So they were still, so, like, really young, like, really set. He never showed up. This was when he was officially reported as a missing person. So now we're going to move on to the investigation. Uh, The police began their search, obviously, at the Ugly Tuna, where he last was seen. They went over the security camera footage, as well as the footage from the other bars nearby, just to see if, like, maybe he walked past, was caught on one of those, but none of the cameras caught any trace of him. They did believe it was possible for the cameras at the Ugly Tuna to have missed him. One camera panned across the area constantly, while the other was operated manually. Um, so there was a chance that maybe the manual one just wasn't, like, in the right spot when he went past it. So there's, like, someone watching the cameras, like, moving yeah. the camera? Oh, right. Wow. That's crazy. And so, like, there's a tiny chance, but to me that just doesn't seem... Right. It doesn't seem really It possible. seems very sketchy. Also, the fact that they went over all of the camera footage and were able to track everyone that went into the bar... They were able to also track them when they were leaving. Everyone except for Brian. Wow. So he never left the bar? He never left the bar. Oh my god, that's wild. Yeah. Unless maybe he went out the back or something or got like super drunk. Okay, so there's the main entrance. That's where the one camera was that pointed down. They didn't see him go out there. There's also the second entrance, which was a service door. There was a construction zone in the back and it would be very difficult to navigate while intoxicated. Also in the dark, like early morning. Police, in the beginning of the night, were able to follow Brian, Clint, and Meredith from where they parked to the entrance of the bar on camera. So it's not like he got out somehow and went to the car, came back. 
Um, but, right. They got all, they were able to get all of that. Right. They were able to physically, like, see their faces and everything. So the cameras were pretty good at the time. Um, then it was also said that Clint and Brian had a verbal fight inside the bar. Nobody knows what it was um, related to, though. It could have just been, like, an argument or, like, a small tussle or something. Right. You know? So, fun fact, Columbus has the most security cameras of any major city in Ohio, Ooh. including Cleveland, Cincinnati, and Toledo combined. Wow, Ew. really? Yes. That's scary. Yeah. Columbus? So, somebody went missing from a city that has more cameras than three other major cities. The police fanned out their investigation from the bar, even sometimes including police dogs. They looked closely in the streets, inspecting dumpsters and other waste containers. They asked residents if they had seen him. They also persuaded the city to let them into the sewer system to search. They suspected he may have gone away temporarily to grieve in solitude, but his disappearance proved to be permanent. So yeah, that was a theory at one point, but obviously he never came back, so... Uh, flyers were hung with his picture and also a picture of his tattoo that he had, which is a stick figure logo from the cover artwork for the single Alive by Pearl Jam. Um, his apartment was broken into about a month after his disappearance. It was reported that his door was kicked in around 2 a.m., but oddly enough, nothing was stolen. It also, um, people speculated that it could have been Brian. But that theory didn't really hold up because the locks were never changed. So there's really no reason for him to kick in his own door. Yeah. You know, maybe maybe he got bit by a radioactive spider and he fucking scaled the wall. Like maybe there was some weird glitch or something. Yeah, glitch that in the matrix, didn't... dude. We're gonna get that. Oh my god, glitches in the matrix. Yes, I'm ready. That is that is one of the theories, actually. Like I just meant like you know how there's one piece of data that seems that can like go missing for some reason oh, and then and it just like Makes everything not make sense. Yeah. No, no I mean, yeah. I'm not talking about in the camera, but I'm just like for like half a second, like something just you're overlooking one key factor that could make the whole thing make sense or something. So those who had seen Brian the night of his disappearance were asked to take a lie detector test as well as his dad, Randy. Everyone agreed to the test and passed except Clint. Um, his attorney had advi- advised him against it. Hmm. Against taking the test? Against taking a lie detector test. Yeah, so you think like, that made him nervous, or you think he had a reason not to take the test? So his attorney came out and said, like, he believed Clint had told everything he needed from that night, like, all the details he knew, so he yeah. didn't think it was necessary. I agree with that. I, like, I really hate polygraph tests. I hate, like, lie detector tests because, A, they are not admissible in court. Like, you cannot use them. And, B... There is no scientific proof that claims that they can actually tell if you're lying. Right. Like, Maybe he was just nervous. Like, you can be nervous and fail a polygraph test. Right. Like, so, like, I don't see them as factual. I don't see the point in doing them. And in my personal opinion, I would never do one for any sort of police investigation. Yeah, maybe well, he felt Here's your way. friendly reminder that if you're ever arrested, always ask for a lawyer. And if you're not arrested, you have no obligation to be there and answer questions. So... Well, Just get the fuck out of there. One interview that I saw, I don't remember if it was for this case or not, but it was for like a case I was researching. And the investigator was actually like, Yeah, I don't actually even perform the polygraphs most of the time. I just ask people if they'll do them because that's a tell whether you're lying or not. Right. Yeah. yeah. 
that's interesting. But if you have that information where you know, like, you know, you know that it's not always 100%. And if you go in nervous, it could affect it and all that stuff that you yeah. would say no. Exactly. So that's, yeah. I would be like, you know, I'm not lying, but I know that they're not admissible in court. So I don't see the um, sort of like substantial reason that I should be doing this for you. So my answer is no, but I'm not lying. Like, yeah, I see. Which just makes me look suspicious, but you know, it is what it it is. Yeah. And on the base level, a lot of people were like, this looks super suspicious. Like, but the police even said, like, there's no reason to suspect him. They felt confident that he didn't have any involvement in it. Because I can't tell you how many times I've heard cases where, like, people are charged with, like, really serious crimes, like murder, and they're put in jail on, like, you know, evidence from, you know, things like polygraph tests. And, like, they're like, I never did this. And it takes them 20 years for DNA to come up. And they're like, oh, my God, you really didn't do this. And you've been in jail for 20 years. We've taken 20 years of your life from you. Right. So, like, that's... Like, I'm just like, mm, no, I'm good, thank you. Yeah. I'm not going to do that. I feel like if you're only basing it off of a polygraph, that's... Yeah. That's crap. Yeah. Like you said, it's not the end-all, be-all, but this put a lot of suspicion on him. Especially the rumors that they fought. That's weird. Right. So, then, in September of 2008, this is two and a half years after Brian's disappearance, a large windstorm hit Randy's neighborhood, and he was struck and killed by a fallen tree. So now Brian's brother, Derek, is the only surviving member of the family. Oh my god, so his father died? Yeah. How long ago was, or how long after? Uh, two and a half years. So just struck spontaneously mm-hmm. with a- It was a freak windstorm. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That's tragic. Uh-huh. So now Derek's the only member of his family left. His mom obviously died to cancer. His dad now to a freak accident. And his brother to a disappearance. Oh my god. That's, that's so sad. Yeah. That's so sad. Right. I don't even know how you handle that. I. All the losses. Yeah. That would be overwhelming. Like at that point, I would want to disappear. Now I've given you all the facts. We're going to move on to theories. The first theory is that Brian left to start a new life. Uh, his, fa- his mom's funeral was only 25 days before he disappeared, so maybe the grief was too much, and he decided to leave. Like, leave your whole and life altogether, though? Life. Yeah. Even someone he loved, like the girl that he was supposedly supposed to... <gasps> right. Proposed to? So this theory, especially for me, didn't hold up, because it seemed like he had so much going on. I mean, obviously, he had a lot of yeah bad things happen recently. But he also had a lot to look forward to. Also, yeah. did he just go to dinner with his dad? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, we don't know if they had a really good relationship, but... Right. But, like, you went out drinking, and I don't know, like... I don't know if y'all have ever had, like, a mental breakdown or anything, but, like... I'm not gonna be at the bar if that's happening. I'm not gonna be happy. You're gonna know. Right. Um, it was also said that being a doctor wasn't his true dream. I speculated that maybe it was his parents' dream. Um, he wrote on his... Yes, this is how long ago it was. His MySpace page. Oh, I remember my MySpace page. Mine's still up. Okay, so he wrote on his MySpace page, I really love music, and this whole doctor thing is really just a job until I get my band together and put out a record. I want to own an island someday, or at least a beach, so I can listen to Buffett all day and drink margaritas with my senorita. This is what 
That was what Brian's MySpace page said. Yeah. Wow. How serious do you take that? People weren't sure. They were like, is he just like dreaming? Is he joking? Or is he actually serious? Like, would he leave someday? Like, you know how some people have these crazy, crazy, like, fan fantastical dreams that they just take too far? Yeah. So this theory of him leaving and going to an island was debunked by police because there was no way he left the bar via the escalator and police went over the CCTV. As I said before, I followed each person in and out of the bar and everyone was accounted for except Brian. Um, Brian attempted to leave the bar intoxicated and became trapped or died somewhere in the area. This is another theory. People suspect, like, did he leave? via the service door and get caught or injured in the construction zone. Right, that's really, especially if you're blackout drunk, that's completely possible. They just get lost and trip and fall and then... Yeah, or just be like, oh yeah, I'm leaving, and like, go out the wrong door, you find a door. Right, but at the same time, when that happens, do you straight up disappear? Like, usually there's evidence of you Right, that's the other thing. Yeah, there's like no evidence anywhere. Like, what if some accident happened or something, someone got scared and tried to cover it up? Like, I don't know. Am I jumping into two? You're so good at this game. I told you I was trying to figure this out. Um, another theory is that something happened, like, and he got into like an out of bounds zone, you know, somewhere in like the construction zone, and that it was covered up by the developers or the building owners because they feared a lawsuit. Yeah, maybe. I could see that. Yeah. Yeah, they have to cover themselves, like, at all costs, especially if you're, you know, doing construction to open something or... Right. Like, you have a lot um, invested. There's a lot at stake. Right. They're like, this drug kid, you know, least of our worries, maybe. Yeah. Sadly. One of those things where it's like, drunk kid, just make him disappear. Right. Yeah. Some people are ruthless I, like that. I regret to, like, I don't even want to think about how many times that's actually happened. Yeah, it sounds like it's something straight out of, like, a bad like, movie plot right. or something, but it's possible. Yeah. And when you're drunk, like, yeah, you don't really pay attention to yeah, no. a lot. Yeah, you're just fucking running into walls and shit. Right. That's what I do. So, another theory is that Brian left the Ugly Tuna and died after that. Uh, his wallet and cell phone have never been found. There was also never any activity on any credit cards, anything like that. So no trace that anything um, was used beyond that night. Some people have attempted to link his disappearance to the smiley face killer. And reportedly, some of the victims, well, many of the victims of the smiley face killer fell into bodies of water while intoxicated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sound familiar? Yes. I've never heard of this. So well, what, they were maybe just pushed somebody into a body water. water, like a drunk person? No, it's like this series of, like, um, specifically men who, like, were highly intoxicated and, like, quote-unquote fell into bodies of water, um, but, like, they're thought that they're being, like, drowned in these bodies of water, and then, like, near all of the bodies, there's, like, a smiley face spray-painted, um, and so they think that they might be connected. But there's also, like, not a lot of validity in that because, like, the retired, like, police investigators who are, like, looking into it are, like, going really extreme on some of them. And, like, well, there was this one smiley face found three-fourths of a mile away from the body and, like, 
like, these two murders were happening at the same time and, like, you know, halfway across the country. So it's yeah. really kind of, like, up in the air, so there might be something, but, like, it also just might be a stretch and a coincidence because a smiley face is a pretty common thing. Right, exactly. Right. At one point, you have to, like, check the connection and be like, well, are you looking at the fact that maybe there are smiley faces literally everywhere? Right. And some of them weren't even drawn the same way. Like, it was, you know, the eyes were different, or there was a circle yeah. around it and not around the other one. So it's not signature. Right. And so they were like, these are very different, and you're trying to connect them. Like, this doesn't really match up. Yeah. yeah. Um, that theory, I don't know if that really holds up there, though. I mean, he could have just been, you know, um, abducted by aliens. You know? He could have. We yeah. always come back to the aliens. I mean, maybe he got probed. Maybe he got walked. Maybe he walked into another dimension or something. Yeah, okay, I mean, so I th- I get worried about some of that stuff sometimes. I do get worried I have about like, that. I have like super vivid dreams all the time, and so like I'm like, what if I'm in other dimensions when this happens? Funny you guys mention something like that. <laughs> Funny who should say that. I'm gonna read this word for word. Also, okay. this person, please do not sue me. Yeah, but please don't ever sue us. We're all poor. Yeah. I just found this funny theory from a commenter on, like, a news article I read and then all the comments at the bottom. I was just reading them to see if anybody had any, like, fun things to say. This guy had something very fun to say. I'm ready. So he said, this is going to sound insanely crazy, but there are over 100,000 people that bizarrely go missing on this planet every year. Now, bear with me here, because this is going to sound nuts, but do you ever give any consideration that he may be in another dimension or time? Apparently mm-hmm. similar to the Bermuda Triangle. There are vortexes and natural portals on this planet, and people find themselves in the wrong place at the wrong time, and poof! They're gone. I know, I know, I know. This sounds absolutely crazy, but you can't rule anything out at this point. And I'm like, you know what? Oh my god. I never thought about it. Like, that makes random. Yeah, people disappear all the time, and people come back all the time. So I know. I wish I would disappear. Can oh. I disappear from 2020? <laughs> Can I just come back at 2022 when everything's been cleaned up? I was going to say 2021. Yeah, no, 2022. 2022 sounds way When better. everything's, like, been figured out and cleaned up, and, like, if there is a zombie apocalypse, then most of the people have already died. So Last thing that I want to show you guys is this article, which actually um, was posted in February of this year. So they constantly are getting leads on people thinking they see Brian Schaefer. Yeah. They get at least two a month. They always go and you know, research them. Nothing usually comes of them. But it's um, off that idea that he went off and like started a life somewhere. Yeah. Or, like, yeah. Most people believe he's still alive just because they've not found his body. So why not? I would agree with that. I would agree that like maybe he's still alive and like had some sort of mental break or like. Right. Um break in reality and he doesn't know where he came from and like maybe he's in some sort of facility yeah i'm on i'm like 50 50 on that i could see that oh and one other thing before i show you guys this um one other thing is they also which some people thought was weird they also searched like homeless shelters in the area yeah just to see if maybe he did you know forget who he was or come Mm -hmm. into some type of trouble and end up there um a lot of people thought that was strange because why would he go to a homeless shelter but, like, maybe he did have some type of mental break. Yeah. Um. So in, I believe it was either the end of last year or the beginning of this year, there was a tip sent in because there was a missing persons and, like, help locate poster in Tijuana. And, really? Yes. And the man looked very similar to Brian Schaefer. 
So somebody sent it in, and there's two pictures on it. One of them's really easy to see, and the other one's kind of more difficult. But that is the picture. I mean, I could see it, and that's what he looks like. Okay, in fact, you can see. It's a possibility. They have the but he, same But, but at the same structure. time, he kind of also looks like every other generic white man. Right. He does. Um, yeah. But this guy... The picture looks very close, though. And you know how people have doppelgangers out there and stuff? Like <gasps> yeah. Like people that right. genuinely look exactly like them? Exactly. Yeah. That but, was the last thing that I wanted to show you guys, just because that was the most recent. And for a little while, it was thought to be the most plausible explanation yeah. for his disappearance um but they did face facial recognition and obviously it didn't turn out to be him but yeah that sucks so there's a lot of theories out there so he may or may not still be out there somewhere and right you know we're just not sure even if somebody killed him like wouldn't you think his body would turn up right and i'm not know. sure is, i don't know if his brother is still looking or not but that's just the most, the terrible thing about it is that he doesn't have his family around him anymore. And, right, you know, he's still maybe holding out hope. He doesn't have an answer. Yeah. That's the worst part. I think that would be, yeah, the hardest part. Right? Yeah. And just three different experiences. Like, his yeah. brother disappears, mom from cancer, dad from a freak accident. Like, that's insane. All across the board. Well, hopefully uh, Brian is wherever he is safe and sound. Uh, Brigitte, do you want to take us out on our... Um Weekly single card tarot reading brought yes. to you by Mystic Monday Tarot. Let's pull a card for the week. Um, let's put some good intentions into this deck. And we have the Five of Pentacles, upward facing. Now let's remember these cards are neither good nor bad. We take what we need from them. Okay, so this might sound terrible at first, but it's not. So the Five of Pentacles, um, representing abandonment, misfortune, and loss. Ooh. Trials and tribulations, this is a time of loss deficits and hardship has hit you hard and you are feeling your self-esteem plummet along with your cash flow you may feel abandoned by others left alone to fend for yourself the doors are closed causing you to question the universe or even yourself set aside your ego and ask for help you'd be surprised how many people are willing to support you in periods of trouble this loss may be outside your control but ask yourself what enabled this misfortune to occur Take personal responsibility over your loss and look towards how you can build yourself back up again. Change your attitude about money and develop a positive mindset to attract it back into your life. Adversity will only make you stronger. I feel like this is really prevalent, especially for this year. Yeah. Thanks for getting weird with us. Yeah, it's been a it's been a fun ride. Yeah, this is really good. Thank you all for doing this and sharing with us this experience to all uh, 10 of our listeners slash co-workers thanks for joining us here at the co-host podcast hang out with us next week yeah we'll uh be bringing you more spooky stories um and if you have any questions or if you want to support us you can follow us on instagram at the co-host podcast or you can email us at the co-host podcast at gmail.com bye bye bye